Welcome to Win the Day with Wasson, presented by MarketScale in partnership with WTD Consulting. Let's deep dive into the principles and perspectives that have shaped the winning mindsets with our guests focused on driving people performance. Confident our guests can help you unlock the coveted it factor that we believe is a learnable trait enabling the separation for success in a world of human commoditization. What an honor it is to have the legend of Utah himself, a good friend, a former colleague, Steve Tate. Welcome to Win the Day with Wasson. Chase Wasson, man. It's always good to see you. It's good to talk to you. It's been a while, yet, uh, gosh, what, 15 plus years, and here we are, right? You know, it's uh, it's been 15 years. Obviously, for our audience, you know, big believer that magnets attract, which is a good thing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and we'll get into a little bit of Steve's story, but he and I both came from kind of an athletic background. We ended up in the same room with Boston Scientific in the cardiac rhythm management space. For those that aren't aware, that's the highest level of sales role within the medical device sector that you can be in. And, and here Steve and I find ourselves in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I personally couldn't even spell uh, a P wave or know what a, uh, you know electrical conduction was in the heart, much less an AV code, et cetera. But Steve and I had an instant connection, always been a fan of the way he's carried himself. And uh, really, Steve, you know, for our audience, let's take it back. I mean, here you were a college grad, Utah State, uh, you know, initially out of high school, full scholarship, transferred to Utah. But walk our audience through kind of your journey from the college perspective into kind of the mindsets, the life lessons you learned through football that have ultimately put you in the position you are right now. You know, going back to to uh, my my college days and even prior prior to that, you know, I, uh, I I'm from from the state of Utah. Uh, out of high school, I was a, an option quarterback, and back then, you know, that sounds cool now, but you know, back then, if you were an option quarterback, you were a safety. So uh, immediately, you know, I had to I had to be kind of put in that role as a safety on the field and uh, and be more recruited as an athlete, and and even at that. You know, it was a fight. Uh, I was the I was the player of the year in Utah, which is Mr. Football. And, um, you know, the, the University of Utah uh, at the time had a different coaching staff and they they basically told me I had to walk on. And uh, in some regards, I, I, I told the coach, yeah, that's not going to happen. And uh, I made a I actually had to make the phone call to Utah State and say, hey, uh, these guys want me to walk on. I'm not going to walk on. I deserve, deserve a scholarship. And so. Utah State had one for me, went there, uh, was able to start as a freshman, but ultimately, uh, you know, I, I wanted I wanted bigger than than what was given me there at Utah State. And so it was kind of back to square one, um, went on a, a Mormon mission, came back and uh, found myself in, in that same boat at Utah, despite having walked, you know, despite having started as a freshman at Utah State, you know, they said, look, you're starting from ground zero, you're, you're coming off a mission, so you got to walk on. Um, so, you know, it, it, it kind of told me that I, I, I got to bet on myself. Uh, that was, that's the main thing, you know, I, I had to bet on myself. Um, and I knew my back was against the wall. I knew I had the, the task in front of me, but ultimately, you know, I believed in myself and, and what I, you know, what, what I could do on the field. And, um, but, it, you know, it was, as you know, Chase, you know, it's, it's one thing to win over your, your, your coach's respect, but then you got to win over the locker room. Um, you know, you're kind of pigeonholed as a walk-on. So, you know, despite me 
earning my stripes with the coaches. I still had to earn that respect from teammates. I had to, you know, still sit. I had to be considered the walk on and, you know, we didn't eat the same food as the scholarship players. And, um, and I was treated as such, but, you know, I, I learned to kind of stay humble, stay hungry. I, I loved the game of football and, you know, ultimately earned my scholarship and was able to be a three-year starter in all conference captain and accomplishing some really cool things uh, there at Utah. And I think it, you know, certainly propelled me for life beyond football. Um, but those are some life lessons that have really paid off in, in every aspect uh, in my family life as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a good, certainly good foundation, as you know, Chase, is, you know, football served that, that, that foundation. You no, know, and listen, I'm a big believer in, in obviously the, the life lessons in competitive sports obviously sets you up for, for success because, like you said, you dealt with adversity, you overcame challenges that, you know, you didn't have a, a you, you weren't spoon fed by any means. That's what I heard. And I, I, I also heard, which I think will really resonate with our audience. You know, the game of recruiting has obviously changed since you and I have, have been a part of it. We'll get into that a little later. Obviously, we've got a son that's a, a tremendous recruit there in the state of Utah that I've kept an eye on. But that being said, you said one thing that really landed. You bet on yourself. And, and that is a huge testimony that I think is not only you know, afforded you the opportunity to have a tremendous career there in Utah, but right after graduation, one of the things I was most impressed with with your background the major leagues of, of selling, I would say, in the healthcare sector is being able to transition from a competitive student athlete, get your degree, and then you landed very early on with some major corporations in high-impact roles impacting patient care. Can you walk through the lessons that, that maybe you learned from football that helped prep you through that interview process, even landing those jobs, and ultimately connecting with you know, large-scale health, healthcare providers? impacting massive change uh, in healthcare. Yeah, it, you know, uh, once I got done, it was, hey, what do I do now? Uh, and I looked around and, and I had a network, um, but, you know, ultimately I, I, I really wanted to be a medical device. That was my goal. And, um, you know, so I, I, the true story, I, I, I had known about a former basketball player at the University of Utah who was in medical device and he happened to be with Boston Scientific. So I found myself one night, um, I found myself Googling his name, but more so I, I found myself searching for how the domain was set up for people at Boston Scientific so I could find out his email address. And I was able to find his email address and I shot him a blind email. And I, I, I told him, you know, I'm, I'm a former player, former captain in Utah. I have limited experience, but and I'll work my tail off. You can put me, you know, put me anywhere you want. But this is this has been a dream of mine, and I know that I, you know, again, I kind of just told them. You know, I think one thing, and we're actually delving into this, uh, Steve, with other with other folks that are, that are part of our, our show. But you know, when you and I were coming out, the social forum, even LinkedIn, wasn't really, you know, an opportunity to truly network like it is now. So I think the the thinking outside the box, that aggressive kind of mindset. Once again, betting on yourself to put yourself in a position to get a seat at the table, which you ultimately did, is, is really what I heard. And I think that's a testimony to, obviously, your win-a-day mentality. Fast forward, you landed the job that you and I connected in Maple Grove. I think we spent nine months, you know, going through training, learning an entire new language, probably harder than college. But, you know, walk us through in our audience, you know, that process for you, 
kind of how that impacted your family life and, and ultimately you know how those experiences has now shaped you into, into what you're doing even today yeah I, I, as you as, as you recall you know we got into that training and yeah i remember we had to stand up and introduce ourselves and you know there was a, a, a pre-med from john hopkins university there was uh you know biomedical engineers surrounding us and I, you know i got up and i'm like i'm an econ major from university of utah <laughs> i was a fish out of out of water um and i, I knew that again as chase as you knew you know, we were in the 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 hotel studying our, our our tails off i mean that was ultimately what we had to do it didn't didn't come natural to me i didn't i didn't know you know electrophysiology at all um so it just you know i think it went back to hey it, i can figure it out you know give me give me what i need to do i'll figure it out um and i yeah, I knew ultimately we had to get through that nine months and then it became a relationship business. And, you know, that's something I, I felt I've always done well at is proving myself and forming those relationships. But uh, I think it's, uh, you know, like anything else, foundation, laying the foundation to get to that point is putting in a lot of hard work, uh, getting out of your comfort zone. I mean, you know, I, I had a family at the time. You you were you were just, a, you know, still the bachelor life. And I had I had, uh, you know, three kids at home that I had to put, you know, food in their, in their mouths. And so I was, I was hungry, but I, you know, it was long, those were long hours on the road and, and putting in a lot of hours to, to learn the system. And the level set our audience that, that aren't really aware of what cardiac rhythm management is, it's number one a lifestyle, because for those that aren't aware, you, you carry a pager just the same as the electrophysiologist and you become the right hand of your particular customer. And I think that's where obviously you had a tremendous amount of success because not only did you kind of have that that competitive pedigree that attracts physicians in a sense, but you also had that mental fortitude to learn the technology and to truly be a value asset, you know, in the in the operating room. And that's one thing I always enjoy. Obviously saw you had a tremendous amount of success, which ultimately teed you up for more opportunities even outside Boston Scientific. But, you know, one of the things I think our guests would really appreciate in the way you operate, Steve, is so you had success at Boston. You had a family. You know, you knew you were kind of morphing your career in the healthcare sector. How did you then transition? At the time, I believe it was St. Jude prior to the acquisition of Abbott. But walk us through, you're doing very well at Abbott, but what does that look like to truly take another move in a similar industry to a different company, that process and how you navigated that? Yeah, I mean, ultimately I found myself, uh, I found that there was a, a ceiling in, in what I was doing at, at Boston Scientific. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm not one to be complacent. You know, I, I saw people, they made careers out of what I was doing. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that, right? I wanted to capitalize on, on, on the relationships that I had. And I wanted to be a full-time, you know, full-time rep rather than, you know, at the time I was servicing the pacemakers for the, for, for these, the sales guys. And I knew ultimately I could do what they did. In fact, I found myself having better relationships than the reps that I was, you know, servicing. So, um, you know, it, 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 again, it was one of those things where made a couple phone calls and, and ultimately said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this, this switch over to the competition, um, and take a full-time gig. And, you know, I don't, unfortunately, you know, it might have to come at the expense of some some friendships. I hope they understand. But 
you know, I, I didn't want to be doing that. It was three years that I was doing that. And I felt like I was ready for what in, in that industry is called the big leagues. So, you know, that's, that's another time in which I just said, Hey, it's time to move on time to put on the big boy pants and, 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 uh, and really take that next step in, in, in my career. I, I, you and I are built differently. You know, I think my athletic career is, you know, if you have a ceiling in your athletic career, you're not going to accept that. And so I didn't want that. I didn't want that in the sales world. And, and I found myself at, at Boston scientific kind of capped at that ceiling. And you know, I wanted to go, I wanted to, I wanted to be the top rep that I could be in, you know, on top of the, certainly top of the state, top in the, in the Western United States. And I wanted to see where it took me. Well, I think there's a common theme and I think our audience is hearing it loud and clear. And it's a big reason why you know, this win the day mentality is something that, that you've carried not only in the professional arena, but there's been a theme. you know, what I've heard is you constantly have been willing to bet on yourself and strive for greatness. And with that has come obstacles. Um, you know, you've been able to leverage kind of that competitive mindset but ultimately, and I've heard it loud and clear, through your success has come also success for your family. And I know how much faith is, is part of your life. I know that you know we're kind of hearing all of the uh, the tremendous success at the corporate body. But I'm also a big believer that you know you learn more also through. And I know there's been some things within you know the, the family side that has truly helped shape and given you a tremendous platform to impact. Can you talk through just you know, some struggles and, and things that you've dealt with on a personal level that have ultimately positioned you to have that broad impact that you continue to win the day with uh, right now, Steve? Yeah, you know, I I, I, I was blessed to, to have three kids, and we went for uh, baby number four, and we, we got triplets. So, uh, you know, I was, I, I was facing a, a world of six kids, uh, three at once. We were uh, about a year into it. We found out our our youngest of the triplets had had brain cancer. He was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, my wife spent, you know, with his type of cancer, it was aggressive. So we were, he was about thirty days in hospital setting at a time. Could not leave the hospitals overnight. Thirty days on, one week off. Thirty days on. That that was for six rounds. So it's about two hundred and forty days that my wife and I se were separated. She stayed at the hospital. I stayed at home to take care of uh, the other five kids. So his other triplet sister and brother, and then uh, the older three. And it, you know, it was it was rough. I mean, hardest time I've ever I've ever been through. You know, um, they they were still in diapers, and I was basically a single dad. My wife and I would switch roles when I got off work. I'd go to the hospital to be with my son. She would come home and be with the kids for a few hours. That's what we did for about 280 days. And, you know, um, that's what we had to do to survive. Um, you know, that's what we had to do to, to give our son a fighting chance. Um, we found him in remission for about uh, only about a month and a half, about two months is, is all we had to enjoy rem his remission. And then um, we got the devastating news that it, it had returned and it was terminal. Um, and that was only about a month following that we had uh, with him before he passed away. Um, and again, you know, nothing prepares you in life for that. That's certainly the, you know, to me on the spectrum of tragedy, I think that's that as a father, that's, that's it. That's the ultimate as a dad, as you know, anyone that's ever had kids, that's the ultimate, you know, it, there's nothing that trumps that. Um, and I've struggled, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I think sometimes I, I, 
I do my best to put on the, you know, the happy face, but it's a struggle. I mean, it's, I, I do it for the, my other kids, you know, I've got, I, I've got to raise, you know, five kids now, um, through a world of grief. Um, but ultimately I, I, I look at them and, you know, I, I know that they deserve a, a happy, joyful life. They deserve a, a present dad. They deserve, they deserve all that. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't pick this to happen, um, nor did I. And, you know, I think my wife and I do our best to continue to live in a, in a world in which, you know, grief never leaves. It's just there. You, you just learn, you just learn to, to, to have a heavy heart. Um, compartmentalize is one thing that, you know, I, I used to, that used to be just a broad statement, but now it truly is the way I live. I, I compartmentalize my thoughts, my emotions. Um, and I've, I've done my best, you know, I'm not perfect. It's, it's, it's hard, but, um, yeah, I, I still love being a dad to these kids and, and obviously my, my, my son, my angel that's, that's in heaven right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there, I think the, the fighting through adversity, I've, I've done that, um, before in my sports career. And, you know, certainly now I faced it in real life. No, well, first and foremost, I mean, tremendous respect for the way you and the family handled it. Um, being a father of two boys myself, I, I can't imagine what I ever want to you know, go through what you did. But I think the life lessons and just the, the way you were raised and the faith and, and kind of the things you went through that led up to that point is ultimately giving you the strength as well as the family to overcome. And one of the things I've been most impressed by is you use this opportunity as a number one, a teaching moment, I think, for other families to really be educated on the disease, the opportunity to, to expand treatment and, and education and awareness around um, this particular type of cancer. But I was in awe and, and very just admonished the way you really told his story and have become a very well-respected author through the 20-month legend. Can you walk our audience through just the testimony that, that you felt was necessary to, to, to write a book and to really tell his story? that ultimately is providing, like I said, education and, and a lens into the impact that he had in the short, in the short, short life. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, if, if, if I ever had doubt before that angels existed and God existed, that, that doubt was removed when, when I lost, when I lost my son, uh, the moments when I could, I could feel his presence. I mean, an inexplicable, uh, undoubtedly God's presence through my son. Um, but about 10, 10 days or so after he passed away, I, I couldn't, I, I woke up at, you know, those moments when you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't, can't go back to sleep. But I had this, I woke up several times and this distinct depression, I had to write a book. And so I, I, you know, went back to sleep and then it woke me up. I got to write this book. And so it was like five o'clock in the morning and I, I, I pulled out my phone and I just did like your basic one through 12, one through 20 chapters. And, and I put bulletins by it and everything. And, and, uh, I had an outline of a book and, you know, my wife woke up a couple hours later and I told her, I, I sent her an email. I said, Hey, I sent you an email with the outline of my book. She says a book. Yeah, I, I'm going to write a book. And I just, I had just bought her a laptop. Like, you know, uh, I think for blogging, I just bought her a laptop. Um, two days before I'm like, well, that's now mine. So I, I took over the laptop and, uh, I, I wrote, uh, I wrote this book and, and it took me uh, a little over three weeks, about 24 days. 
and um, had no idea what I was dealing with. Didn't know. I'd always been talented at writing, but, you know, nothing, definitely not an author, so to speak. So I called a buddy of mine uh, who, who's an English major. I said, hey, just, hey, here's the, here's my book. And I said, you know, be, be forthcoming with me, be honest. And he said, this is, this is amazing. You know, how did, how did you do this? And how'd you think of, of this point of view and how to, how to, you know, and I said, I don't know. I just did it. I just, I literally, and I, I was working full time. It wasn't like I quit my job. I was working, you know, working full time, but I'd come home after work and I just get through on my laptop and write these chapters. And then I had a buddy who had, who was a top uh, selling author in high school. We hadn't seen each other in 15 years or whatever. And I, I said, Hey, you know, I don't know what I do from here. And again, let it be my son creating miracles. Uh, a, a literary agent reached out to me and said, "Hey, send me your book." I sent her my book, and she basically said, "I want to be your agent, and let's publish it." So, you know, it was funny. Uh, my my intent of this book was just to write it. You know, I would love. Uh, you know, when I sat down with the publisher, you know, they said, "What are your goals for this book? What you know, what the, what profit do you want?" I was like, "I just want to. I want a bound. That's it. I just want a bound book." <laughs> they kind of laughed. They said, well, we can accomplish that. And, uh, you know, so sure enough, I found myself uh, no longer than a year after I was, I was actually public speaking in New York and I was in Times Square and I went in just to see in Barnes and Noble and there was my book. Uh, you know, it's not a bestseller, but it's there. It's, it's, it's a book. It's, it's about. Well, it's more than most would say, but I, I'll tell you, it's, I'm a big believer that passion always drives performance. And I think what I heard is you had a passion, you had a calling, and ultimately I think it's a story that's going to continue to live on, and it's it's going to uplift people, which kudos to you for having the courage to do it. And I know that the, his life obviously impacted so many, and, and the research that continues to be driven through what he dealt with is something that's going to hopefully continue to give longevity to other babies that you know, ultimately end up in the same diagnosis. But, man, what a, what a story. Uh, and, and, Steve, thank you so much for having the courage to share that. But I obviously encourage any any of our listeners to uh, really deep dive and, and, and take a read, a 20-month legend. I know there's plenty of ways you can, you can get that. But, man, let's shift gears because I think, you know, that story has had to have impact on your kids, right? And one of the things I've been very <clears throat> impressed with, aside from your bachelor recreations that I think you spent some time with on Instagram that we'll delve into that I think took you viral, which was, was very good to follow. But let's talk about, you, you've had experience as an athlete going through the recruiting process, right? We touched on around how social media has really changed the game, not only in a professional environment, but also in recruiting. I think you're knee deep in it right now, and I've seen videos of your son Bo, an extreme talent, huge motor, um, passion. Everything seems there to be just a big time Division One recruit. Walk us through as a dad, not only kind of your message to him as an elite performer, but what advice are you giving him as he's going through this process, navigating NIL deals, and just all the things that come from being a very highly recruited student athlete. You know, Chase, to be honest, you know, my son, I knew him when I, when he was seven, he, he just had this, you know, he had a gift. It was, it was pretty obvious. He had a gift. He had the body, 
EMS seven. Uh, he has a body now, and and I, he had this gift. Um, and and as I sat back and, and watched, and I coached him, so I advanced his skills. I knew his skill set was there. Um, but it, it, you know, one thing that I had was that grit or that determination. You know, and um, and that if you want to go on and play, if you want to be successful, you've got to have and you, uh, you've got to have some grit. You've got to have you got to have a chip on your shoulder. You got to you got to in some ways you got to look at every scenario as proving somebody wrong. And so he was so gifted that uh, he had not had that adversity yet. I mean, he had it in his personal life with his losing his brother, but he didn't have the doubters and all that, like probably you and I had. And uh, I just advised him that, you know, I, I told him he, he's got to get out of his comfort zone. He's got to find ways. He's got to, he's got to continue to stay hungry, get motivated. So, you know, he's, he's, he has, he's, you know, if you lived here in the state of Utah, you, you'd see the sacrifices he's made. You know, he's, he's transferred to the top program in the state of Utah, left his friends, um what was a small program now he's going to the best program that puts out the the top division one athletes in the state uh that wins championships after championships so you know but what i've seen over the last three years is he's he's gained that that grit uh he that was the one missing thing that he that in order to be successful in football he had to have and he's he developed that and that's really spring forward and his recruiting, um, you know, now, you know, he's, he's, he's taken that next level way beyond what I had, um, way beyond what I had. Now he has the body. Uh, I probably didn't have it. I was, you know, your, your option quarterback trying to go play safety. He, he truly has that, you know, linebacker frame and body to, to be able to, to do that. But now he's got the, the mental, you know, fortitude capacity to do it. And so it's been fun to watch. Uh, you know, I, I, I take, I, I try to have fun doing it. I'm, you know, I told him I, I'm, I'm his recruiting agent, but I, I know it's a different world. It is a different world now. And you've got to have an advocate. You've got to have good advice. Um, that's in the best interest of your child. Um, but it does, it, you know, I found myself, it's, it's, it's a, if not a part-time job, it's a full-time job uh, to try to, you know, it, it's a it's a business. What you realize is it is a business, and you've seen it now with the NIL contracts. But recruiting is a business, and and so you know, I'm I'm treating it as though with him and teaching him how to treat it like a business and understand, um, you know, how how to leverage certain offers and all that. But he, you know, he's I'm proud of him. It's fun to watch. It's, it's uh, you know, you'll go through it one day, Chase. Your kids are talented. And, you know, it's a lot more fun seeing it as a dad than it is going through it yourself. No, no doubt. And and I've been a huge fan, and number one, of, of how he plays. But more importantly, it seems like kind of the brand he's building as a student athlete. Is, is that based off of what, what made you, right? Hard work, grit, determination, competitive spirit. But one thing I heard you say is grit. And within the word grit is it. What we talked about at the beginning, the it factor I'm a big believer is a learnable trait, but it's ultimately be separated in anything that you go after. Is how do you, in whether it's business, in sports, in being a father, you know when someone has it, but is it something that they're born with, or is it something that through experiences leverages that much more success, wisdom, etc., to form that grit to ultimately be, you know, whatever success they want to be. So that's. That's really what I heard, you know, as you were talking through. And I think that's things that he'll continue, you know, to grow with as he faces adversities, trials, tribulations. But, you know, from 
from when the day was lost and we're, we're pulling for him, I, I'd love to see him in Texas high school football. I know. You know every Friday night. I would, I would, I would love him. I would love, you know, we, we thought about that too. We thought, you know, let's go, if we're going big, let's go to Texas, you know, we up, up with the family. But we are, we love, we love our Texas football. No, well, I think he's in a great spot, and um, I think whoever lands him will not only get you know an incredible guy on the field, but the way he's raised, I think a, a tremendous ambassador for, for whatever program gets him, which at the end of the day, and it's something we've talked through, you know, student athletes, there's so many things you learn, but when you're afforded the opportunity and your education paid for, and getting that paper then creates the opportunity to really get you in the game of life, right? And it's those choices, I think, that have obviously propelled you um, in a tremendous career. Um, and it's, it's really what's also afforded me the ability to, to scale and, um, you know, just broaden the network and, and continue to have success in the corporate setting. But, you know, one thing I did want to touch on, Steve, you know, kind of as we're transitioning, talk through your success athletically, corporately, raising a family. There's a funny side to Steve Tate. There is a, you know, almost a comedian side, and I didn't see this, and I'm almost ashamed to say it, but, you know, I think anyone that's married, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're laying in bed at night, and what's, what's the spouse want to look at? It's typically the bachelor, bachelor or one of these dating shows. And I'm texting Steve one night saying, buddy, you are going viral. <laughs> the Bachelor. Walk our audience through how, how Steve Tate goes followers to 50,000, 60,000 from that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was, you, you know, it was like the outlet, you know, you, you turn on reality TV. This was post, but or this was pre 2020, just to, you know, after post 2020, all bets are off and different world. But, you know, it was turn on reality TV and numb your brain. And, you know, that, that's what, it, that was kind of our guilty pleasure. And, and I would do this, these impersonations with my wife and she would just die. And I think, I think it maybe started with her, story one time and I, I just did some basic impersonations of how of how just absolutely ridiculous the, the show was you know we all it's like a train wreck right we you know it's like the car accident on the side we all have to rubberneck and look to see what's going on uh because that's what the bachelor is and so i found it yeah i was doing that with my wife and then she put on her stories and i i put one on my stories and it, it just evolved into this character and different characters and uh and you know it was it it became i became known for as the bachelor guy i mean i was like i went on national podcasts and you know broke down the bachelor and i i, I was on i don't know like us weekly at one point i mean it was it got ridiculous and uh you know more than anything i think i think it was and you you know going back to this comedic side i think my wife put it best she said i you know when i knew you in high school you didn't have this and i said well you know, I also didn't, I didn't get hit with life's tragedies. Like, you know, it's like, I have to find comic relief in something. And so I think I found this, I, I, I find pleasure in making people laugh. I, and, and it, I haven't, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure if you ask the therapist, there is some reason for it, but um, it, it's almost as if making other people laugh kind of alleviates my pain. Um, in some regards, and maybe it shields it. Maybe it's my defense mechanism. You know, when when my son was sick, that was all I, I did was I wanted to make him laugh because I felt as though if, if he's laughing, he's okay. You know, if he's laughing and cancer is not existent or he's not in pain. So 
you know, in summary, in some regards, that's what I've done uh, with, that's how I handle my life with my kids. Um, it's, I think you find, you find a lot of relief, you find a lot of therapy in, in laughter and comic relief. And so that's, that's kind of how it morphed into bachelor guy. Well, I can tell you, I, I, I shared many a laughs to the point where I thought, man, has this guy lost his mind doing this or, is, uh, you know, but, but, but to your credit, I think you, you obviously created a huge name, uh, you know, a great platform. And in the end, you know, like you said, laughter cures a lot of things. So kudos for you for making that happen. Um, and man, it's, uh, it's worthwhile. I probably going through some of your past history yeah. to take a watch of some of those. It was fun. It was fun. I, I've now retired from it and, and people say, what are you doing? I said, I don't have, I don't have the time for even an hour of TV, let alone, you know, when I was breaking it down like two, three hours. So it was fun. And you, you know, if you ever want to get a kick out of it, you can always go back and look at some of them. I saved them, but yeah, those are fun times. Well, you know, kind of, you know, as you're continuing, you know, obviously your career um, doing big things in the financial sector. I mean, you still find time to stay involved. Uh, it seems like with university of Utah, different broadcasting things, but, you know, walk our audience through, you know, you talked about some of the trials and tribulations that, that you've overcome, but I know you've also got a lot of things going in the foundation world to, to still, you know, create awareness. Can you talk through some of that and how, you know, some of our win the day community can, you know, be support or just get better insight into what all you've got going on? Yeah. You know, one of the things, as you mentioned, I, we were blessed with a, a really great community. I was blessed to have a platform through football, you know, it was this natural platform. People knew of me and, and, and knew our story. And, and, you know, ultimately we found that there was a, a big need to help, help families, you know, financially we were okay. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting whenever you see something like this, there's always like a GoFundMe. That's just people's way of like, I, I don't know how to help, but let's, let's help. And so there was a GoFundMe and I didn't need it at all. Um, but it was, it wasn't, it was, it was the thought that people wanted. They, they just felt good doing that. And so my wife and I thought, well, we, let's just put this towards the foundation um, and, and build a foundation and, and help allow this to help other people that act, that need this money. And so that was our big focus. And we thought, you know, we thought we could raise enough to help a family, send them to, you know, the beach or whatever their, their choice was to alleviate grief and find joy again. And, we helped one family and then it just, you know, it just started to take hold. And we found that, you know, after two years, we had raised over a million dollars. But And it was my wife and I, it was just my wife and I, I mean, we don't have any employees. We don't have any marketing strategies other than social media. Um, but we just felt, you know, in some ways that we were obligated to be the voice of, of childhood cancer. It goes, it, it's, it's definitely underfunded. It's, uh, it's it's not one that gets the attention it, it needs and deserves and so you know we we continue to use the foundation to help families um you know pediatric cancer unfortunately is is not going anywhere in fact it's becoming more prevalent um it's the leading you know cause of death um in in the kids under you know teenage years and so you know it's it's something that we feel passionate about it helps us keep our son's legacy alive it's the hayes tough foundation and, you know, we, what I like about, you know, what I, I feel is unique is we, we, it's never been about us or our money. And, you know, in fact, you know, we're probably the bigger, bigger donors in our foundation because it's not about that. It's just about helping people. And you know, 
we want to help families. We want to help research. We've done research at times, but a lot of this really, that's a small portion. Majority, it goes, it goes right into the hands of people that need it, families that need it. We've done everything from, we, we pay for funeral expenses. Uh, you know, that's, the, that's a really harsh reality that people don't ever even see, but when your child passes away, you have to buy, you know, burial plots for yourself, your wife, and your child. Um, and you know, that's 15,000 that you're dropping right there after you just lost your child and then you pay for funeral expenses. And, you know, these are, these are things that are not paid for by insurance. And so we thought, what a, what a cruel, you know, splash of reality. So we, we've done that a lot. Service dogs. I mean, things, things that you wouldn't see from the outside that really affect childhood cancer. That's, that's where we come in. Well, I think it's a wonderful cause. Hey's tough. It's it's more of a testimony to you and your wife and, and, and the family, just really broadening awareness. Obviously, I'm very passionate about the cancer sector and my professional um, hat, you know, every day um, trying to make a big difference through the organization that I'm a part of to, to impact patient care. But that's, I can't tell you, Steve, how much, you know, Hayes continues to live on and, and what you're doing is just continuing to create a platform, a voice, raise awareness, you know, increase research, which ultimately is going to benefit so many other families um, that, that deal with those those battles. So, man, it's been a great time, Steve. Uh, I think the things you've shared and kind of my takeaways, and I think it's a constant thing. Number one, you live through adversity. You're a walking testimony of keeping a win-the-day mentality to overcome things that we're not prepared for. And not only are you surviving, but you're thriving. And, you know, you, you've created a platform, you've built a brand over time that stemmed from your days as an athlete, now has carried over in your professional setting. And I think we're seeing even kind of a legacy passed on as we talked about both. I mean, these are things that the it factor that we touched on earlier, you've embedded through the principles that make you who you are. So can't thank you enough for joining Win the Day with Watson. Before we close, is there anything personally that you'd like to share uh, with our audience uh, to really you know, land home? This platform that you're, you're creating is, is, you know, it does more good than you probably realize. I mean, there's a lot of people out there searching for that, that motivation. Um, you know, I, I think we're all living in a world that's, it's, it can be scary, certainly unique to put it in some, some terms, but, um, you know, they, 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 these are, these are ways in which people can find hope if perhaps they're in, in dire situations or find motivation. Um, we, we don't go through this world unscathed other, everyone's going to have their trials and, and, and tribulations. So no, what, what you're doing is, is great. I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad I could be a part of it. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully I impacted some people or anyone who's listening and, and uh, touched uh, on their, hopefully helped them a little bit, touched on, on their lives in the least. You know, and I can assure you, you have. Um, I think Hayes' name is going to continue to live, and we need more Steve Tates in the world. But at the end of the day, Steve, you, you've given the blueprint to our audience on what it takes to win the day. One of the things that we, we love to say as we, we close things out, we rise, we grind, we shine, we impact. Let's win the day together. Thanks so much, Steve, for joining Win the Day with Blossom. Thanks, Chase. Appreciate it.